what a morning we've had. That song kind of wrecks me every time. Um, I just want to say, if you're going through a struggle in your marriage, God can restore you. Even if you think it's impossible, nothing's impossible with him. So I hope that that song just gives you hope. And this morning we're talking about storms. And we've kind of had that theme all through the conference of, you know, hope and storms and waves. And um, we all have storms in our life. Maybe you, some of you right now are in the middle of a major storm. And... Um, we just moved our offices, so we, we um, all of our central ministries team used to office out of the Apple Valley campus, and we've just gotten so big that um, we just got a new office building in Burnsville. And before we moved in, one Saturday morning, I went to unpack my office, and so I was in this 30,000 square foot building all by myself, and uh, I started getting my office going, and I looked, and these really dark clouds started coming. And I'm like, you know, it, it'll be fine. And I just kind of turned the music up on my phone and kept working on my office. And all of a sudden it started raining. Like, and it was completely black outside and just pouring rain. And I heard this sound like just this, like a gushing waterfall. And I'm like, okay, this is not good. <laughs> so where is this coming from? So I, I walked out of my office and right next to my office is this big solarium, okay? It's glass from the floor all the way up and the ceiling is glass and everything. And there was a hole in one of the window panes and the water was gushing into our brand new building, new carpet, new furniture, and I was freaking out. I'm all by myself, I'm like, what in the world am I gonna do? So I ran in my office and I had these really cute plastic bins with flowers on them to store some of my books and I literally just dumped the books out, I ran in there and I put the bucket underneath this waterfall and then as I turned around, I, there was another spot that started flowing. I'm like, you've gotta be kidding me. And so thankfully I had another smaller pink bucket so I grabbed that one I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm calling Rob. I'm calling Scott, our facilities guy. I'm like, help. And uh, so I, I kind of had it under control with the dripping. And literally, it was coming in so fast that I had to dump the buckets out um, into the, the sink that was there. But it was just coming down so hard. And I was just like, I cannot believe this is happening. And, um, you know, I got the furniture out of the way, so that was good. And it finally stopped raining. And you know, of course we were able to suck up all the water out of the carpet and everything was fine. Got the window fixed, but I was just so shocked by what had happened. Now, I had seen the storm coming, but I was not prepared for what was about to happen. And how many of you know, even if you can see the storms coming in your life, you're physically not prepared for the things that are gonna happen. So we've gotta be prepared in our spirits. We've gotta be anchored in Christ so that we can weather the storm. And our theme verse, Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now, I have this little anchor prop over here. Just um, obviously, oh, it's a little heavier than I thought. Um, obviously, it's, you know, we all know what an anchor is. But an anchor is, is to help keep a floating vessel in place, right? And it digs itself, it can't even be in the sand. So we can't be um, steadfast in things that are movable, but we have to be on that solid foundation, which is Jesus, right? And so these hook-like arms, they are what keeps this anchor in place. So anchors are firm and they're secure. And at first, the word firm implies that it's outwardly safe. There's nothing that can take away our hope. And Paul wrote in Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am persuaded 
that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now it's as if the Apostle Paul picked out every possible imaginable external opponent that could come against us and said it won't work. It can't separate us from the intensity and the security of Christ's love. We are safe with the anchor of hope. Now we also find that the anchor of hope is secure. This points to the inward stability of the anchor of hope, that it's firm within itself. There's no weakness in hope. We don't have to concern ourselves with hope going bankrupt or having a scandal of some sort. It is thoroughly established and sure. So this anchor provides stability, provides confidence and certainty. And we all know that we need a little certainty in these days that we're living in, right? It's a little chaotic world with everything that's going on with race relations and our, you know, the election coming up. I'm wondering if um, none of the above is an answer that we could vote for um, on the ballot this year. I don't think, I don't think it is. But so how can we have peace and be anchored in the midst of storms. I want to read a story to you from Mark 4, which talks about an actual storm that the disciples went through with Jesus. And um, it's on the Sea of Galilee. And I was actually in Israel a few years ago, and I got to see this Sea of Galilee, which is actually more like a lake. I was really surprised. I thought it would be much bigger, but it was more like a lake. But it's, it's so beautiful to be there and just see where Jesus actually was. It's incredible. We're taking another team back next month, so I'm excited for that. But Mark 4, verses 35 through 41 says, Later that day, he, speaking about Jesus, said to them, Let's go across to the other side. And they took him in the boat as he was. Other boats came along, and a huge storm came up. Waves poured into the boat, threatening to sink it. And Jesus was in the storm, head on a pillow, sleeping. They roused him, saying, Teacher, it is, is it nothing to you that we're going down? Well, awake now, he told the wind to pipe down and said to the sea, Quiet, settle down. The wind ran out of breath. The sea became smooth as glass. Jesus reprimanded the disciples, Why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? They were in absolute awe, staggered. Who is this anyway, they asked. Wind and sea at his beck and call. So I just want to point out a few simple lessons this morning from this story. And the first one is very obvious, but we all know that storms will come. The Apostle Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 4.12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. I think many people don't understand this. The disciples seemed, seemed shocked when they were going through a storm. They're thinking, isn't God watching out? I mean, Jesus is on the boat with us. How could this be happening? Isn't God, you know, going to keep us safe? And I sometimes meet people that have that same shocked feeling when they're going through a trial of some kind. You know, they think, aren't I living right? Isn't God supposed to keep anything bad from happening? So we had the same questions that the disciples had. Some people today, like I said, are in the middle of a storm right now. For some of you, it's financial. For some of you, it might be a health issue. Maybe it's in your relationships. But you think like you're sinking and you don't feel God and you're wondering where he is. You're wondering if he cares. It's like, 
God, don't you see what's happening to me? These were the same feelings that the disciples had. They were in a storm, they were frightened, and they couldn't understand why this was happening. So first of all, when you go through a storm, let me tell you what's not happening. First of all, God is not saying that he doesn't love you, right? It does not mean that God is angry with you or that he's paying you back for something or that he's toying with you. God doesn't do that. Sometimes the storms in our life are self-made, right? Because of our poor choices. But many times it's just that storms happen. And when we try to analyze and place blame, that is just exhausting and futile. Nothing good can come out of that. We live in a fallen world, and that's why we have storms. Just like Jesus said in Matthew 5:45, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, good and bad happen to all of us. The important thing is whether or not we're prepared for them. Now, we are just um, going through Hurricane Matthew right now down in the south part of the United States. But a few years ago, um, after Hurricane Andrew, there was a news crew that was down in Florida, and they were filming the devastation of Hurricane Andrew and what had happened. And they were filming this neighborhood that was completely decimated. I mean, it was, everything was gone. And there was this one lone house that was standing. And they were so intrigued by this. So um, the, the owner of the house was out in the yard picking up debris from the storm. And the news crew came over and they said, you know, sir, can you explain how in the world is your house the only one standing in this whole neighborhood? And he said, well, I actually built this house myself. And he said, I went to the city and I got the, you know, the blueprints for building a home that is hurricane proof. And he said, and I, I did it to the T. You know, it said two by six roof trusses, and I put two by six roof trusses. He said, I built it exactly to code. It, it was supposed to withstand a hurricane, and it did. And he, guess, he said, I guess those other people around me didn't do that. They didn't build their homes to code. So this was a very smart man, right? He understood that storms are going to come. And it has nothing to do with him personally, but it has to do with the area that he lives and just the nature of storms. His job was to be prepared. And when it wasn't storming, when the sun was out like it usually is in Florida, right, most people are like, oh, you know, we'll just buy a house, build a house, whatever. But they didn't build it up to code. So the important thing is not to try to understand why the various storms come, but to be prepared for them when they do. Now, the second lesson of this story is that Jesus is with us in the storm. If you're going to be in a storm, the one person you want in your boat is Jesus, right? Now, Jesus could have stayed on the shore. I mean, he's Jesus. He could have, you know, walked across the water. He could have zapped himself over. But he didn't. He got on the boat with them. So where they went, he went. And now the problem for the disciples wasn't that he wasn't there, but it was that he was asleep, right? They're going through this frightening storm, and he's sleeping. So how was he able to sleep? First of all, he was completely exhausted from you know, ministering to all the crowds. And secondly, he was at peace. He knew who he was. He knew who his father was. He didn't have anything to worry about. But they interpreted his lack of his sleeping as a lack of care. And it's interesting that this is the only place in the Bible that it talks about Jesus sleeping. Isn't that crazy? I mean, many times it talks about Jesus staying awake all night to pray 
and you wonder how he did that. But so now the only time it talks about him sleeping is when you would think it would be absolutely impossible to sleep in the middle of a storm. The disciples wondered how he could sleep through it. They expected him to be attentive to their needs 24-7, right? Even if he was sleeping, he should know. He should wake himself up. But we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been in the middle of a crisis and it seems like God is somewhere far off, maybe even taking a nap. You're like, God, are you snoring? Where are you? He doesn't seem very responsive. So at least we know that we were in the same boat as the disciples. But what was Jesus' response when he woke up? After he rebukes the storm, he rebukes the disciples, doesn't he? He asks them, why are you so afraid and do you have no faith? Fear and faith are incompatible. Now, some of you may think, wow, I thought Jesus would be a little more compassionate with them, you know, like, oh, I'm so sorry I was sleeping. I'm sorry that you guys were scared. And they're like, well, you know, he's like, why are you guys so scared? And they're thinking, well, maybe it's because these massive waves were coming in the boat and we were about to drown, right? I mean, that would be pretty frightening. But Jesus was hoping that what they had seen him do in the past would provide a stronger faith for the future. But that wasn't the case. So first Jesus had to calm the storm, and then he had to calm the disciples. So has God ever done anything for you? Has he ever answered a prayer for you? He is hoping that his faithfulness in the past will cause you to trust him in the future. And here's the third lesson. Jesus will calm the storm. At the perfect time, at his perfect time, right? It's never our perfect time. But he knows, he sees everything. He doesn't go by our time. At just the right time, Jesus stood up and calmed the storm. Now, it wasn't the right time to the disciples, but he knew the right timing. God has you in mind. He knows and understands your situation, and he cares for you. The Bible says in Romans 5, 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He is always watching out for us. 1 Peter 3, 12 says, for the eyes are of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. God sees you. Single mom, God sees you. Going through a divorce, God sees you. Maybe you're dealing with depression right now. God sees you. He sees you. The fourth and final lesson is this. It is only in the storm that we truly understand who Jesus is. I think the most amazing part of the story is the disciples' reaction to Jesus. Now, of course, they were afraid during the storm, right? They thought they were going to die. But after Jesus calms the storm, the Bible says they were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And the Greek literally translated here means they feared with great fear, okay? They were scared. <laughs> Their fear of the storm was nothing compared to the fear they had when they realized who he was that was in the boat with them. Now, it's one thing to know that God had sent this, you know, prophet, this, you know, spiritual leader and teacher, but it's another thing to know that you are in a small confined space with the Lord of the universe. The wind and the waves obeyed him. 
So this is true for us as well. We keep meeting in Jesus in new ways as we go through new trials. We don't really understand who he is or the power that he has until we see him in action. This is what Peter said, this is what Peter meant in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So it's not until we go through our trials and we see how Jesus has brought us through that we can really understand his love for us. Now, I've been through many trials in my life, different physical trials, and um, I have battled with anxiety for over 10 years. And I can tell you that um, once God brings you through that first time, your faith is so much stronger. Like, you know what? My God is on my side. He can heal me. He can bring me through this dark, dark time that I never want anyone to go through. I never want to go through myself. But when he brings you through and you see the other side, you're like, oh, my God is so strong. And he's not saying that you may never go back. I've had time and time again where I've slipped back into times of anxiety. And every time, my God is there to bring me out. Every time, he's proved himself faithful. It's in those crisis moments that we really understand who Jesus is, how much he loves us. When we place our complete faith and trust in him, we'll have a greater understanding of him, a deeper relationship with him, and a new love for him when the storm is over. You will see his power over darkness and the depth of his love. Jesus is telling us to live by faith, hope, not by fear. Psalm 62, 5 and 6 says, For God alone my soul waits in silence and quietly submits to him. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress and my defense. I will not be shaken or discouraged. Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. There's a great song out right now called Eye of the Storm. Have you guys heard it by Ryan Stevenson? I love that song and in the chorus it says these words. It says, in the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. Storms are going to come, but Jesus is going to be with us, and he will calm the storm, and it's only through those storms that we understand who Jesus really is. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for being our God of hope. Thank you for being our anchor, God, when the storms come and we don't know what to do. God, help us always to turn to you, Lord, in these storms. We know you'll be with us. We know you'll bring us through. Help us just persevere through these times, God. Thank you again for your love and your hope that you give us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.